Hello and welcome back to Practicing English. And today's Friday, so I'm continuing with the Tudor Conspiracy, and it's Chapter Eleven. And if you remember, in Chapter Ten, Jane had shot at Isabel and Philip in the church, and they had escaped by jumping into a rowing boat and rowing down the river. And they arrived eventually at a guest house where they are hiding out and deciding what to do next. Hello and welcome to Practicing English. My name is Mike Bilber, and these are podcasts. For students of English at B1 or B2 levels, or for those students who just want to improve their general English, for transcripts of these podcasts, please go to practicingenglish.com. So, before I start chapter eleven, I'm going to give you a few words to listen out for. So your task is to listen and identify when it happens, where it happens, and with whom it happens. And the words are to dial, D I A L, and you dial a number, usually with your fingers, to push buttons or turn a dial on a phone to call a number. And the next one is to grasp, G R A S P, which is to hold something firmly with your hand, grasp. And the next one is to groan, G R O A N, and this is a sound that we make. You make this sound when you are disappointed, annoyed, fed up, or in pain. Oh. Next one is to hum, H U M, and you often hum to yourself, which is to sing a tune with your lips closed. <laughs> to hum. And the next one is to scream, which is to give a loud, high cry, because you are frightened. Okay, those are the five words to listen out for. And then I have a question for you, a listening comprehension question. And the question is, why didn't Jane? See Isabel when she came into the room. I'll repeat that. Why didn't Jane see Isabel when she came into the room? Right. So let's continue with Chapter Eleven. Here we go. The Tudor Conspiracy. By M. A. Bilbrough. This recording 
is copyright. Chapter 11 An Unexpected Guest They both went upstairs, and Philip opened the door to room 21 and went in. Gosh, said Philip, the room's huge. I thought it was just a single. The room had a high ceiling, also with beams running across. The bed was king-size. Soft carpets covered the floor from wall to wall, and there were large French windows at one end, which opened onto a balcony. Isabel opened her room, 22, and went in. It was similar, but decorated in soft pastel green colours, whereas Philip's room was in blue. She opened the bathroom door. Again, it was large and spacious, and, as well as a bathtub and a shower, it even had a bidet. She had not seen one since leaving Spain. She walked over to the French windows, opened them, and stepped out onto the balcony. From here you could look over the magnificent gardens, with the River Avon in the distance. This is like a palace, she thought. Good enough for a queen. Philip was at the door. I'm going to take a shower, he said. They've got bath gel, shampoos, and even a toothbrush. After we can sit down and sort out a plan of action. Yes, good idea, said Isabel. I'm going to freshen too. Philip smiled from the door. I think that's a phrasal verb you need, he said. Freshen down? asked Isabel. Nope, answered Philip. Isabel folded her arms and started to list in her mind the English prepositions, knowing that, as there seemed to be no logic to the structure of phrasal verbs, she could only guess. Freshen on? she inquired again. Philip shook his head. Freshen up? she asked, hopefully. Bingo, said Philip. Third time lucky. He gave a thumbs-up gesture and left for his room. Isabel looked at the open door. That Philip had changed. Since the shooting in the church, he had become more confident in himself. More charming, even, and somehow more interesting, too. How did he know about phrasal verbs? Isabel went to the bathroom and spent some time washing various body parts, but she did not feel like having a shower. Really, she was just trying to calm herself from the earlier panic and from the pain she had felt in her chest again. The beautiful bathroom radiated peace, and her ablutions helped to steady her nerves. An ideal place to chill out, as the Americans say. She almost felt like humming to herself. A sudden noise from the passageway. The sound 
of a room door closing. Was Flip out of the shower already? She walked into the bedroom and noticed that she had forgotten to close the door. As she placed her hand on the doorknob, she detected movement to her left through the open door from another room, not number 21. Isabel pulled the door to so the person would pass by without seeing or hearing her. She suddenly felt curious to know who the other person in the guest house was. That name she had seen in the guest book had frightened her for a moment. It had made connections with the events of the afternoon. Isabel heard the footsteps pass her door. Then she pushed it quietly open and peered out. A woman in a raincoat, headscarf and dark glasses was going down the stairs. Isabel pulled the door to again, waited until the sound of the footsteps had gone, then closed the door completely. She had seen enough. That woman, that terrible woman, was staying in a room right next to hers. Isabel could feel the stress and tension returning. This time, however, she did not panic. Instead, her mind began to race. Had that woman heard them talking when they first arrived? Presumably not. She had not attacked them. The walls were thick in these old houses. That could explain why. Isabel thought there might be an opportunity here. She considered telling Philip. Then she decided something needed doing now, before she came back. Philip might not agree with the idea anyway. Isabel rushed to the balcony and looked out towards the other balcony on her right. Yes, she was right. She had noticed it before. The balcony window belonging to room 23 was open. Climbing onto that balcony would not be difficult. A strong climbing plant fixed to the outside wall grew between the two rooms. Isabel grasped a branch and found it solid and firm. She lifted one leg over the balustrade and then the other. Thanks to her strong boots she was wearing, climbing across to the next balcony was not difficult. In about a minute she was there, standing on the balcony of number 23. Isabel simply walked through the French windows into the bedroom. She needed to look for something, but she did not know what exactly. She thought she could find some sort of evidence about who that woman was and answers to other questions that were going through her mind. The first thing she saw was a familiar object, the Henry VIII's quarto. It was lying on the bedside table. Isabel went over to it and picked it up. It was a little thicker than before. There was something inside. She flipped the book open. A booklet. The lettering on the front was written in an elaborate and ancient font. 
Anglia Nostra, we the sons and daughters of our most gracious queen, Mary Tudor. Mary Tudor? Isabel turned over the first pages. Very small text, too small to read in her current state of agitation. Then, on one page, a picture. Ships from the Tudor times, with Spanish and papal flags at their masts, in a rough sea. A storm, black clouds and rain. The wind was shown as an evil face, with horns on its head, blowing the ships so they leant over precariously, and some had turned upside down. Something dark and silver-coloured caught Isabel's eye. She turned her head towards the bed. There was a small object protruding from under the pillow. Isabel put down the booklet and turned the pillow over. The gun lay there, cruel and powerful, on the white sheet. Isabel picked it up. It was heavy in her small hand, and the steel barrel was cold, but the grip was made of wood. A noise at the bedroom door. A key turned in the lock. The door opened abruptly, and Jane walked in. She slowly put her handbag down on the floor. Then, without saying a word, she took off her raincoat and headscarf and dropped them onto a chair. She closed the door and walked slowly towards Isabel, stopped by the bed and sat on it. A minute went by, and the only sound Isabel could hear from under the bed was the sound of Jane's breathing and her own heart beating inside her chest. Isabel tried to control her own breathing so she would make no sound. Then Jane spoke. I left without it, she said in a whisper. That and the gun, silly Jane. Isabel heard the sound of a hand feeling under the pillow just above her. Then there was a noise of something heavy and metallic being put on the bedside table. Then a different sound, the sound of pages turning. She must have picked up the quarto. Where is it? Jane said to herself. I can't see anything here. I must take it to Bad Buddle. I'll make him tell me. Then he'll get it. I'll make him pay for this. Isabel heard the quarto being dropped onto the bedside table. Then the breathing again. Jane stood up and picked up the guest house phone and dialed a number. It's Cousin Jane, Master. I'm still in Stratford, at Grey Gables, just as you instructed. The news? No, I haven't heard it. A security guard? Yes, it was me. And the Shakespeare Memorial? 
Yes, that was me too. But nobody knows it was me, Master. I was clever. I hid. Because they had the quarto, Master. That man and the Spanish girl. Buddle gave it to them. And they went to the church. The gun? Cousin Sarah gave it to me a few weeks ago. I thought... I thought it was allowed. No, I, I'm not unstable, Master. That's not true. I observed, and I arrived at a conclusion, Master. Just as you taught me. It's all working out fine. Everybody thinks it was them. Then they ran out of the church. Lots of people saw them. They ran to the river and escaped on a boat. No, a rowing boat. Yes, yes, I have good news. I have the quarto. You see, I planned it well. Yes, I made her give it to me. No, I only threatened her. She went down on her knees. She was crying and screaming. She gave me the quarto. She's a witch, I'm sure. I've seen her somewhere. Nobody suspects me. The quarto is genuine, Master, because Buddle gave it to them to hide it. He told them it was genuine. The Elizabeth first play is inside. I've seen it, Master. Right. I promise I won't do anything else, Master. At the Shakespeare birthplace, at a quarter to six, I'll be there. Of course, I'll bring the quarto. No, Master, I, I promise I won't use the gun again. Yes, I'll bring it to you. Yes, Master. The gun and the quarto. Yes, Master. I'll leave now and wait for you there. Jane put the phone down. She walked back across the room and picked up a handbag, then walked slowly back to the bed. There was the sound of Jane picking up the gun, and then a crash as it fell onto the floor. Isabel froze. She saw its silvery shape just a metre or so from her face, pointing directly at her. A hand came down. It stopped. Had that woman sensed she was there? The idea came to Isabel that she could just get out from under the bed and scream at the top of her voice. But who would hear? Philip might if she screamed loud enough. What if Philip was still in the shower? He surely would not hear her. In the shower? At university, they used to joke that the English never had showers. They just had a bath once a week. Now she had had the misfortune to meet an Englishman who showered, and at four o'clock in the afternoon. Isabel silently groaned inside. The hand closed over the gun and disappeared. 
There was some activity as Jane collected other things and put on her coat. The door opened, closed, and was locked. Silence. And that's the end of chapter 11. Until next Friday, goodbye for now. Thank you.